It is truly an honor and delight to have evangelist Brother Jacob Phillips with us. This is, yes, and Brother Phillips and I really don't even, really don't even know ourselves. I mean, just um, at conferences and whatnot, seeing one another. Several years ago, Brother Phillips came and basically introduced himself to me, and this, several months ago, we really felt like it was time to have him come. So I'm really believing that this man that's here today is in the absolute will of God. How many of you are going to keep your hearts open and stay on the edge of your seat? Brother Phillips, we're delighted you're here. Come. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord for the man of God. Well, clap your hands unto the Lord. Give God praise. For he is a worthy God. He's worthy of our praise today. Let's worship him. Why don't you lift your voice? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this house. And I am so glad that God is here because if he wasn't, we'd all be in trouble. Amen. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, and verse 1. While you're turning there in your Bibles, I want to take a moment and say how grateful I am to be here today. Give honor today to your wonderful pastor and first lady. They are top-notch, first-class. They are some of the best of the best. When God sent the Mayos to Spokane, he sent the best. And thank God. And uh, thank you so much for the room, the basket, wonderful things. And uh, I knew I was in the right church because every man I've talked to thus far said he shoots a Bowtech. So um, we're going to have revival just on that basic principle right there. Hallelujah. Some of y'all looking, what is that? You just don't worry about it. Praise God. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 1. You still got a little gas in the tank today. Amen. The prayer of, of Habakkuk the prophet upon the Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known, in wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was as the light, it had horns coming out of his hand. There was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan and affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the river? Was thine anger against the river? Was thy wrath against the seas that thou didst ride upon thy horses and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribe, even thy words, Selah. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers, the mountains saw, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by, the deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. I apologize today for reading a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I got a few more verses if you would just hang with me for a few moments. It says... The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation at the light of thine arrows. They went at the shining of the glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. That ain't what I want to hear. 
That don't sound good to me. God's mad. Thou distress the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Thou didst strike with the staves the head of his villages. They came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses through the heap of great waters. When I heard, Habakkuk says, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh upon up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. He's giving us a picture here in verse 17 of Israel and of some things that are yet to come that I uh, probably won't get to ha uh, have time to get to today. But in verse 17, he tells us that the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall be fruits in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail. The field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. That's terrible. Isn't this kind of depressing? Like, Brother Mayo, I thought you brought us an evangelist. My God, he's trying to throw a blanket on us today. But verse 18 says something that and this is where I wanted to get to today. Habakkuk looks at all of that, and he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief stringer, singer on my stringed instruments. With your help and the help of the Lord, I promise not to hold you very long today, but I will preach long enough until I have obeyed God. I want to preach to you just simply this. Praise God anyway. Praise God anyways. Would you help me right now by lifting your hand to heaven and asking God to move in this house? God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Give you glory. Give you honor. There's nobody like you, not in heaven and not in the earth. We ask you, God, right now to have your way in this house from the front to the back, side to side. Let an anointing of the Holy Ghost fill this house. God, we pray today that your word would be opened and it would change us and it would challenge us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time? Hallelujah. 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 Come on, why are you clapping your hands? Why don't you lift your voice in another shout of praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated as long as you promise to help me preach. If you're not going to help me, please remain standing so everyone knows who you are. I will give you just a brief warning today that uh, I understand I'm not preaching to everybody because there are some that have already came today, but there are some that yet wait. They have been looking for a miracle, and they're just waiting on the right time. I'm here to tell you right now, you got one more chance today because your miracle is in this house. <laughs> Hallelujah. The book of Habakkuk is a beautiful picture of prophetic dialogue. The prophet is talking with God, and God is talking back. He's having this uh vision form of what God is getting ready to do to his people. And I, I won't read it to you today because I've done read long enough, but just go home and read chapter 1 and chapter 2 and you'll understand the full context of what 
the Holy Ghost is saying to his people today. And as we open chapter 1, uh, Habakkuk begins to say things and, and see things that he does not like. He, he's talking with God and God is telling him, I'm, I'm not happy. It's not peaches and cream. It's not everything perfect. And Habakkuk shows us in chapter 1 that indeed it is a truth that life isn't perfect. I don't know how it is in Washington, but where I live in Mississippi, things go wrong. Sometimes we face demons that on our own are bigger than us. I, I'm, I'm just honest with you today. I, I don't know what it's like to have all the power and, and, and dominion and all of that in myself. I ain't got none of it. It's in him. That's the only reason I'm here today. And Habakkuk shows us life is not perfect. And, and, and I'm going to preach in a minute. I'm not hollering yet. When I start hollering, then y'all can start my time. Until then, we're just talking. But, but he, he, he looks as, as Israel is going down the drain. He's seeing it in vision form. It's going down very quickly. The people of God have turned against God. And when I say the people of God, I mean a whole nation. And what's interesting about this is there are people that continued to worship God wholly and completely, and yet they are punished right along the side of the people that backslide and the idolaters. He couldn't figure out why Habakkuk, he's scratching his head. He can't figure out why God would let Israel get so far away from them. And you can see in chapter 1 that he is puzzled and perplexed by what he does not understand. Am I by myself today when I tell you there's some stuff I don't understand when I look around me? There are some things I don't quite get. That's where Habakkuk is. And, and, and he doesn't understand because God's not answering when he prays. Uh-oh, I just hit somebody right between the eyes. I feel it. He only could see his iniquity and grievance and spalling and violence and strife and contention. He said the law is slacked. Judgment is non-existent. This is all in chapter 1. The wicked are in control and wrong judgment prevails. And so God begins to speak and he tells Habakkuk that an unholy and ungodly nation of people, the Chaldeans, are going to come. They're going to bring judgment against the people of God. They're going to possess your dwellings and they're going to scoff at your kings and they're, they're, they're going to make fun of your princes. And this is where we get to chapter 3. We'll just kind of jump through chapter 2 and you can go home today and read that. But uh, is it all right if I give them homework? Go home and read it. That's your homework. And then we get to chapter 3, and Habakkuk has already got the answer. God has already told him that he's going to bring the Chaldeans to destroy Israel. Habakkuk's done went through this whole deal, but God, why? What about the Chaldeans? They're worse than the Israelites. And so chapter 2 deals with that. And he says, and then I'm going to deal with them after I deal with Israel and all that good stuff. And God has now in chapter 3 completely responded to what Habakkuk's prayer and vision has been. And so chapter 3, he begins upon the Shiganoth, and this is his response to the vision of the Lord. He sees pestilence. He sees mountains are scattering. The sun and the moon stand still. Understand these are eschatological things referring to some events that have already happened, some that have not happened yet.
And he continues, and Habakkuk is painting a picture of despair. He, the world as he knew it was crashing around him because God is angry. He says, my lips are quivering, and I, I, my bones are rotten. The fig tree won't blossom. The fruit won't be on the vine. No olives, no meat in the field. The flock is cut off from the fold. No herd in the stalls. But there is something that happened in chapter 1 that we can't really see the the, the fruition of it till chapter 3 in chapter 1 in just a couple of verses uh, Habakkuk begins to tie down what he knows and understands uh, about God it is here we see his wisdom this man of God in prayer that is went from questioning God he stops questioning God in chapter 1 and starts tying down everything he does know about God he says I don't know why Israel has backslid I don't know why God's so mad I don't understand why the world's in the wreck that it is. But one thing I do know about God is God is faithful and God is just and God is righteous and God has to deal with sin. And so I'm not going to spend all my time and effort wondering about the stuff that I don't understand about God. Habakkuk teaches us the best thing to do in that situation is just take a step back and stand on what you do know about God. I've come to preach to somebody on a Sunday afternoon that has come to service after service uh, and you haven't got your miracle because you're trying to figure out all the stuff you don't understand. Uh, why this and why that and why this and why that. I've come to tell you, you don't need to know the why. Uh, you know the who. Uh, you don't need to understand everything. Uh, you just need to take a step back and know he's God uh, and that's enough. Uh, he's almighty uh, and that's enough. Uh, he's righteous uh, and that's enough. I don't have to know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know the God of tomorrow. I don't know what God, I feel like preaching right now to somebody that's frustrated in your walk with God because you can't see what's happening. Oh, I feel, can I meddle a little bit like I'm at home? If God really loved me, if God really cared, if I was really a saint of God, I wouldn't be going through this. Let me just, you know, you know what's funny? Now, this has always blew my mind. I was just raised in church, okay? This is all I know. But it blows my mind to watch people come out of the world into his marvelous life. God fills them with the Holy Ghost. And when they were in the world and life happened, it was just life. They get in the church and life happens and all of a sudden it's the preacher's fault. It's God's fault. I ain't even seen this evangelist but one time. You already putting the blame on me. It's the evangelist's fault. They didn't play my favorite song. They didn't. It's the program's fault. No, you got to get a revelation of who God is and what God is. And you need to understand that life isn't always perfect and everything doesn't work out the way you think it should. But you got to grow up and understand. I got to be mature enough to just take a step back and realize I don't understand this and I don't understand that, but I know who he is. And I know that he's still sitting on the throne. And I know that he's still all powerful. 
That's why Habakkuk could write in all of this. There's no fig on the fig tree. There's no meat in the field. Yet I will praise the Lord. Praise God anyhow. I don't have any money in my pocket, but praise God anyhow. My family is going crazy, but praise God anyhow. It seems like everything I touch falls apart, but praise God anyhow. There's this deal about living for God that makes absolutely no sense to the carnal mind. We walk by and not by sight. It don't make, let me just, now, how many of you in here first generation? A lot of you. You remember what you thought when you came to church for the first time? I mean, they got, it's, look, let me just tell you, we believe in prayer. But if you bring a guest, don't bring them in the prayer room. We got the lights off. Woo! I ain't making fun. I'm just telling you, that's what it sounds like. People talking in 47 different languages. They don't know if they came to a seance or a church. Looking around for a goat that we're going to sacrifice here in a minute. I mean, have you heard how crazy we are? That, it don't make any sense. Because I know your people. I, I, I don't have to know any of you. I don't know any of your names. I, I've never met most of you here today. But I know your people. And I know because your people you have problems. And you have questions. Because the first response when God does something we don't like is why. Now, I don't get that. But the, the truth of the matter is, is the more you grow in God and you start walking with God, you start understanding things about God, that God knows more than what I know, and, and God is in control, and God is on the throne, and, and sometimes I don't need to know the whole picture. I just need to know the main point of the puzzle, and that's in him. We live, we move, we have our being. That's the fact that I got up this morning because God let me get up. I'm at church today because God let me be at church. And if, if I go back home and the chaos is still there, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. If I go back home and the finances are still turned upside down and my family's still a wreck, yet I will praise the Lord. They come to church and they see people singing on the Shiganoth, because this Shiganoth, it's, it's like a rambling poem. It doesn't have any, it doesn't make any sense. Habakkuk admits that what I'm saying, I, I, I don't have any real direction. I'm just kind of talking here. And he, he, he says, I'm singing a song, and I don't know if it's the first verse or the chorus. I'm singing the song, and I don't know where the bridge is. I'm just kind of rambling my way through this thing. And I'm trying to find God. And I look and I see pestilence. And as I'm rambling through this, I'm trying to figure out how God works. And as I, I look, the mountains are falling and melting. And I look around and there's no, there, there's no food in the field. What's, what's God doing? I don't get this. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yep, that's why I'm shouting. 
you lost your mind, preacher? You're shouting because the world's going to hell? Exactly. Because as they're going to hell, they're going to need to look in here and know that not everybody's going the same direction. I know some of you wanted something a little deeper here today, but I've come to preach to you what your pastor's been preaching to you, and the reason God sent this evangelist to tell you is because you've been too hard-headed to get it through your skull, and you keep coming to church and won't be, Pastor, I need another counseling session. Pastor, would you pray with me? Pastor, would you tell No, 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 no. You need to do what he told you to do in the first place. Stop looking at everything around you and start praising God just for who he is. Let me tell you, that problem will still be there. That circumstance is still going to be there. Just step back and give God praise. Just step back and know he is the Lord our God. Well, God, I feel that redneck inside of me is wanting to come out so bad right now, Sister Mayo, and I'm having to keep him in check. But the truth is, is, is when we go through stuff, nobody's had it as bad as me. You can sit there and act like you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, but you know I'm telling you the truth. When you, you stub your toe, and ain't nobody else ever had a stubbed toe the way your stubbed toe just got stubbed. One thing goes wrong, and it's the end of the world. Woe is me. Let me teach you something. You, you ready? You got your little book out. You're going to write this down? This is deep. It's so deep, you're going to remember it forever. You ready? Praise ain't about you. And praise was never designed to be about you and your situation. Praise was never about what you're going through, if you've had a good day or a bad day. That's why Habakkuk could say, yet I will praise the Lord. Because he understands that the way praise was created was out of dysfunction. And he said, if I'm going to do what God has for me to do, I've just got to step back and let the problem be the problem and let God be God. Let I caught. I'm going to step back and I'm not going to worry about what's going on around me. I came to church on Sunday afternoon to give him glory, to give him praise, and to give him honor. I get it. Not everybody's going to be as wild as me and Brother Mayo. I love that. He starts doing that spinny thing he does. I just, man, I want to stand on my head. I'd do it if I knew I wouldn't break my neck. Not everybody's going to do it like that. I'm not asking you to run the aisles. I'm not asking you to jump the way I jump. I'm not asking you to do that little spinny thing that Brother Mayo does, but I'm asking you to do something. Well, everything, that's the whole point. Everything's wrong, but he's still God. And... I know I'm preaching to a majority of the choir, but I'm reaching for somebody right now that's been coming to church for years possibly. And, and Sunday in and Sunday out and Tuesday in and Tuesday out, you come and frustrate yourself. Can I tell you something? If you focus on all the stuff you don't understand about God, you'll pull every hair out of your head and you'll go gray way before your time. It's not for you to understand. So I don't know why I came from this kind of family. I don't know why I had to walk through divorce. And I'm not making light of this. I don't know why I was rejected. I don't know why I was abused. I don't know either. But one thing I do know is God's got a way of taking everything that the 
He's got a way of taking everything the devil meant for evil and turning it out and working it out for your good. I I know your mama didn't want you, but the church wants you. I know your daddy walked away, but the church ain't walking away. I I know you feel like you're all alone, but you're not alone. Yet I will praise the Lord. Yet I will rejoice. That's the beautiful thing about this church. Regardless of what walk of life you come from, you belong here. You can shout with us. You can dance with us. You're a part of the body. Our world is so messed up that in in the pursuit of everybody trying to fit in, that now nobody fits in. If you're normal, you don't fit in. If you're weird, you don't fit in. This is the only place that you can come, and it doesn't matter how normal you are, and it doesn't matter how weird you are. You belong here. That's why I'm telling you, you need to stop. If you're a visitor here, you listen to me right now. If you are looking for religion to fix it, stop looking. This is not a religion. This has never been a religion. That's why when you come to church and you see people from every different walk of life and every different economic status, and they're all in the same church, and they're praising the same God, and they're shouting at the same time, it's because we got a revelation, yet I will rejoice. If it's good, I'm going to shout about it. If it's bad, I'm going to shout about it. If it's up, I am not going to worry about my world around me. I'm going to look at him. And when I look at him, I affect the world around me. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. So he prays. This is his response. He says, this this is why he can say, yet I will rejoice. This is it. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. In wrath, remember mercy. That's why he can shout. Because God has turned his people over. God is, God's mad, Brother Mayo. And and if you read, uh, that's the whole purpose why I read everything today. Because you see mountains crumbling and, and you see pestilence, and, and you see all that, and it kind of looks like the state of Washington in 2022. Don't feel bad, it looks like Mississippi looks too. It looks like the United States of America, it looks like the world. Pestilence. God says, okay, you want to be a God unto yourself? I'll let you find out how bad to the bone you are. You ain't half as big as you think you are. So God says, okay, you want to play God? Play God. Do do your thing, baby. Be in power. Be in control. And Habakkuk got that revelation that God's got to do this. God's got to let evil overtake righteousness for a little while because the righteousness has, has just begun to falter and fail. And so Habakkuk, listen to me. Habakkuk doesn't say, God, please change your mind. Habakkuk doesn't say, God, would you, would you please stop beating us up because we did wrong? No, he just says, in wrath, remember mercy. And it's simply just put in common terms, he does this. He says, God, just do what you do. 
because he remembers every time that Israel's went into captivity. He remembers every time that Israel got in a place where they had no way out. And the moment they bowed their knee and began to repent, God turned that, that God that was so full of wrath became a God that was so quick to mercy. And so the reason he can shout and dance when the world's turning upside down is he says somebody's getting ready to have revival. Because when God starts pouring out wrath, it makes people start bowing their knee. And when they bow their knee, it's not very long before God comes down to where they're at. And when God gets to where they are, apostolic revival begins to explode. You mean you can shout about our world being in a mess? Yeah, it's an opportunity for you to win your world. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to shake the Northwest. It's an opportunity for the greatest apostolic revival that this area has ever known. All this stuff that's God's fault, pestilence, world's crumbling. What what bugged me? I, I, I didn't get my, my mind all the way around this till about 2 o'clock this morning. I finally got it, Brother Mayo. It took me a while. I'm hard-headed sometimes. I was sitting in my room praying because I couldn't figure this out. Habakkuk takes 17 chapters to talk about all the death and damnation in the world. He takes 17, or 17 verses, rather. 17 verses to talk about everything that's bad. And he only talks about praise for two verses. And I thought, my God, that don't make any sense to me. Because the way I think is you should have 17 verses worth of praise and only two verses worth of all the pestilence. But then the Holy Ghost began to talk to me. And the Holy Ghost showed me that praise doesn't need as much paper to explain its stance. You keep trying to figure it out on your own and you're going to run out of paper. But it only takes two verses, Pastor Mayo, to explain while I'm praising. He said, now, I'm, I'm trying to figure all this out like you, and it's taking all my time, and, and I got a hand cramp because I've been writing for 40 hours, and I can't figure it all out. So I'm just going to stop for a minute, and I'm going to write two verses because when you start getting a revelation of what praise really is, it doesn't take all kind of explanations. It doesn't take all the who's and what's and when's and where's. You just understand God's good, and that's enough. That's why he said, he makes me to walk in my high places. He made my feet like Hines' feet. I got a revelation of what praise will do for me on a Sunday afternoon. And in the middle of that, God started elevating me to places I've never been before. He started elevating me to a walk that I've never understood before. That's why pastor will get in the pulpit and say, come on, don't miss your miracle. Come on, don't miss your moment. It's because he understands if you can step out and say, praise God anyhow. You'll be exalted to a place you've never been before. I know this is simple. I'm just a simple preacher. But I'll come, if I was in Mississippi, I'd say it like this. I didn't come today to preach pretty to you. And Brother Mayo, if you let me come back later, I promise I can preach pretty. I'll preach pretty at a later date. I come to get in somebody's corn patch right now and tell you you are in one of the greatest apostolic churches in the United States of America. And the problem is not the church. And the problem is not the pastor. And the problem is not the praise team. The problem is, is you haven't learned how to open up your mouth and give God praise. You know what, I'm, I'm a lot closer to being done than you even realize, but you know what frustrates me? Please ask me. 
Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <sighs> what frustrates me is the amount of people that will come to church and, and they'll get mad because somebody comes and drags them out in, in the aisle and, and shock them, mows them until they start moving a little bit. And they'll want to change their church because I, I can't be a part of that kind of extreme stuff. But Pastor Mayo gets in the pulpit every weekend and watches your sorry hide sit there like a bump on a log. He ain't looking to change churches. Oh. I, I think I just hit a stump, so I'm going to plow right here for a minute. Well, I'm, I'm not that emotional. If I told you somebody was outside keying your Tesla right now, you'd get emotional. You're emotional about the stuff you want to be emotional about. You get excited about the stuff you want to get excited about. Don't tell me God's been good to you and you can sit there and get mad because somebody drug you out in the aisle. Get mad. but Well, I, I don't think it takes all that. You better believe it takes all that. You, you better believe it takes getting wild in the Holy Ghost. You better believe it if you want your miracle. There's got to be something in you that rises up, Jesus, thou son of David. I don't know if you know I'm here or not, but I'm going to make so much noise until you have to come to where I'm at. Yet I will rejoice. Yet I will pray. Let me tell you something. I, look, I'm, I'm so far from my notes right now, so we're just going to be apostolic for a minute. And let me tell you this. Praise, the way it works, it was never designed. Number one, we done covered that. It wasn't designed to be about you. But number two, it was never designed to be a response. That's what worship does. When God heals my body, I worship him in response to what he's done. Praise was designed to get God's attention when everything's going wrong. Oh, I'm going to hit this devil so hard. You're preaching to one of the wildest churches in the, in, in the country. I know that. I know that. And you think God didn't know that? But you think God didn't know somebody was here that's sitting on the verge of one of the greatest miracles that they've ever experienced and, and, and you're just waiting on one thing to happen before you step out in the aisle. And I've come to tell you, don't you wait till it happens. Get in the aisle now. Well, when they get everything, no, it ain't about when they get everything right. Uh, when you figure out in your head, uh, it's not about the pestilence. Uh, it's not about the problem. Uh, it's not about the trial. It's about him. Uh, it's about his glory. Uh, God, you get the glory in everything that happens in this house. I was preaching revival in Laurel, Mississippi last year. I got to share a little bit. So it's this this story's kind of went all over Pentecost because it's it's good. But I got to share a little bit of it with Pastor Mayo through text when he asked me to come. What was that a year and a half ago? Sorry, my bad. I lied to him, y'all. I'm I, I apologize, I don't know. Now I see what I've been missing. My God, but. We were having revival. It was 2020. I, any of y'all ever heard of COVID? 
I, I, I mean, it's this little thing that was going around for a while. I didn't know if y'all had it up here in the Northwest. <laughs> we had a little bit of it in Mississippi. Thankfully, we live in, in an area where it's, it's just rednecks that don't, I mean, I, y'all, y'all get what I'm saying. I, I think I wore a mask when I was on an airplane. That's about it. Forgive me if, it, if, it, if that offends you. But we just, we live so far from everybody. I, my, my, my neighbors are too far. They can't catch it from me. Anyway. <laughs> Pastor Rowley called me, and, and, and there's more to this story that I'll get to talk to about you maybe later. We'll, we'll get to that at a later date. But I just hung up the phone. I was in revival with Pastor Bradley Smith, and he said they, they told us we can't even have, you know, more than four or five people in the church. He said, I need you to, we'll, we'll figure something out. I hung up the phone with him. Pastor Rowley called me, picked up the phone, and he said, and we're pretty close, and so he called me by my first name, and he said, Jacob, can you be here Sunday? I said, yeah. Matter of fact, I can. I just got a cancellation for this weekend. He said, good. We're going to try to have in-person church. (gasps) I was like, my God, this man is full of faith. We started having in-person church, and nobody was showing up, and I got mad because I told God when I first started evangelizing I said God I'm not going places for you to take care of me financially I'm going somewhere to have revival and if I can't have revival I want to stay at the house and I, I about two weeks in I started getting mad I said God you didn't I'm not here for you to just take care of me I know I'm your man and you're my God and all this stuff but you got to do something because I'm not I'm not happy just having 15 people yet I will rejoice I ain't getting the results I want. But I went to church that Sunday. And pastor, I preached like my hair was on fire. I was telling people that wasn't there to run the house. People that wasn't there to jump the pews. People that wasn't there to leap for joy. In the middle of all that, we left. I'm going to tell you, you think we look ignorant with all of us in here jumping? We look really dumb when there's only two of us in here jumping. Am I telling the truth, Pastor Mayo? And I, I'm, I'm not giving COVID any more praise or anything. I'm just telling you what God does. We, me and Brother Rowley, we ran the aisles. We shouted. We danced. Hollered. Yeah, we felt dumb, but we did it anyway. Yet yeah, I will rejoice. The next Sunday, we had visitors. I was like, my God. What is that? I ain't seen one of them in so long. I I preached like they were the only ones in the room. Because they kind of were. And they showed up and come to church. I don't know, there was probably 20 there. But I preached and reached for visitors. That young couple looked very put together. They came to church, put everything looked perfect in their world came to the altar and began to weep. And, and little did I know that their marriage was falling apart. And, and, and the man is very dear to me at this point in time in, in my life. And so I I'm, I'm feel very comfortable telling you this story. He's asked me to tell the story. And, and so there was this issue. There was immorality in his life. And he had been unfaithful and, and was fixing to have a, a child with another woman. And so as you can imagine, that was a problem. And, and so they came to church, Brother Mayo, and they said, this is our last try. And that Sunday morning, my text was about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. 
My Holy Ghost was lining everything up. He came to the altar. He prayed. He cried. He said, I want to get baptized. I said, good. We'll, we'll baptize you right now. And he said, I don't want to get baptized right now. And I almost punched him in the mouth. I was like, we've been praying for you for weeks. What do you mean you don't want to get baptized? Yet I will rejoice. So we shouted anyway. He came back to church two weeks later to get baptized. And he sat down with his wife and his three girls. And the end of the pew filled up. And the end of the next pew and the end of the next pew filled up. And the next pew filled up. And the next pew filled up. Seventy people came to watch that joker get baptized. Guess what? They stayed. I don't, listen to me, listen to me. I don't know what God is doing here right now. And I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. This is an apostolic church that knows how to have revival. But the, the, the flow of revival in this church has seemingly to some of the people in this church came down to a trickle. And, and we're not seeing it like we did at one point. Am I in the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you, I know I'm in the Holy Ghost. It's not happening like it was five years ago. It's not happening like this. All God's waiting on is somebody to be the one that invites that one person. And then 166 souls later, here we are three years later or two and a half years later and 160 people have joined the church and got baptized in Jesus' name. They left the denominal church, uh, the head deacon. Uh, that, and I'm not just talking about nobodies. Uh, I'm talking about business owners. Uh, I'm talking about poor people. I'm talking about who, whosoever will. That's what happens when somebody gets it in their head. It ain't about people watching me. Uh, if I'm the only one at church shouting, uh, I'm going to be shouting because uh, my shout, my be the key to 160 soul revival. I can see I'm still getting some of that just good old-fashioned nod from some of you right now. You're who I'm preaching to right now. God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you. God's pulling for you. Get up and get out of this place you're in and give God praise and let God unlock the door to revival. Let God save your family. Praise God anyways. Y'all get up here and help me because if you don't, I'll preach all day the way I feel right now. We need the will of God to be done. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I feel prophetic anointing in this house right now. These doors are fixing to be opened. I'm telling you, doors in the supernatural that have been closed since the inception of this church are fixing to be opened when you start figuring out how to make it personal and be intentional. There are doors of revival like you can. I know that, well, preacher, that's just a general prophecy. No, that's the cornerstone. Those doors are about to slip wide open uh, and you're going to walk through them. Don't let her run by herself. Don't let him run by himself. Uh, there needs to be somebody uh, that says, I know everything's bad, uh, but praise God anyways. Because uh, when I praise, uh, God's going to unlock the doors. Uh, when I praise, uh, revival's going to be ripped open. Uh, when I shout, something's going to happen. of emotion. No, it's not emotion. 
Because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Now, now you, know, you got to understand, Thessalonica was one of the most evil and perverse places. It, it was, I mean, it took preachers out. Demas has forsaken me and departed into Thessalonica. It's a perverted world. But when the apostle begins to write to a world that's perverted and turned upside down, he says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. You don't know what the will of God is? Well, it, it's our politics. It's our policies. I don't give a rip about your politics and your policies. Because I know what the will of God is. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God, Christ Jesus, concerning you. I'm trying to find God's will. I just showed you where God's will is. Uh, God's will's out here in the front of the church dancing uh, and shouting and giving God praise. Uh, God's will is when everything's wrong, you step out uh, and give God glory. Uh, God's will uh, is when everything's turned upside down. Yet uh, I will, I will, I will rejoice. need about 150 radical people that don't care about what everything looks like to step out in the aisle. Get out from where you are and give him praise. we're doing? Hold on, kill it. Just a second. Anytime now. See, you waiting on all the, the stuff around you to get right. You wait until they get to 165 beats a minute. No, you can't wait till everything gets right. You can't. Well, when the preacher pushes my right button, uh, I'm not pushing any buttons. Uh, I'm telling you, if you want a miracle, uh, you got to get out from where you are. Uh, you got to lift your voice. Uh, you got to shout uh, like you want it. Everybody, 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 everybody. Everybody get out. Everybody give him praise. I don't know what you can do, but whatever you can do, do it right now. If you feel like running, run. If you feel like jumping, jump. If you feel like dancing, dance. Just do it. 